0: gonna anoint him. I mean, he's gonna help him preach him. Let's give him a good Bendel welcome. Let's pull beer here tonight. God bless you, brother.
1: Love you. Let's give the Lord that hand clap of praise. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. And why don't you shout with a voice of triumph? If you're triumphant, why don't you give him some praise? Oh, thanks be unto God who's always given us the victory. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Praise is something that we are to do together. Man, I understand that we can praise the Lord by ourselves if nobody else does. But I believe something powerful happens when we link up with brothers and sisters and we magnify the lord together amen and we exalt his name together amen what a great atmosphere that's in this house aren't you thankful for the presence of the lord amen amen i'll go to first samuel chapter 30 if you have your bibles this evening first samuel chapter 30 and i'll read verses 1 through 8 and as you're finding that would like to give honor to brother and sister more this evening their family and also give honor to this great church as well and always an honor of mine to be able to come and minister the word of the Lord here at this great church and um, we could dismiss right now and say we had church because there's been a moving of his spirit but I believe all through the Bible God sets a pattern that my spirit moves and then my word goes forth. Amen and I believe that's exactly what the Lord wants to do in this house. Amen. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the Bible says the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And then the very next verse says and God said His spirit moved and then he spoke. Amen and I believe his spirit is moved in this house and his spirit is still moving in this house. Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 30 something the Lord has dealt with me extensively the last several days about, and so I'm going to do my best to preach it to you. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and burned Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men were come to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Verse number 6 starts out by saying David's distressed. By the time the verse is over, the Bible is telling us that David is encouraging himself in the Lord. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered David, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all I want to preach to you this evening and I understand that this is a very familiar passage to most of us not all of us but I want to preach to you tonight from the subject rescuing Ahinoam and Abigail rescuing Ahinoam and Abigail why don't we one more time put our Bibles down and why don't we lift our hands all over this house and as our hands are lifted, why don't we join our voices together one more time? And let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and our minds and our spirits. In Jesus' name, you In the name of Jesus. Lord, let there be free course in this house. Let there be liberty for your word to go forth. Touch every individual in the sound of my voice tonight. In Jesus' name, why don't you give the Lord another great hand clap of praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you clap your hands with an expectation. Amen. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated this evening. The Bible is full of fascinating characters. In fact, according to the biographical Bible, there are around 3,237 characters named in the Scriptures. And between Adam in Genesis and John in Revelation, there is one who seemingly stands out above the rest, There is one character, there is one individual who seemingly is almost head and shoulders above everybody else, if I can put it that way. His name is David. To give you an understanding of the scriptural emphasis placed upon this man, his name is mentioned 968 times, second only to Jesus himself. His story is one of the most riveting of the ancient world. It has been the subject of many sermons and many songs through the years. David is a musician, a poet, and a songwriter. David is a shepherd, a warrior, and a king. This man David possessed tremendous traits, but he also possessed devastating weaknesses. David is a hero And a villain in his own biography. He had moments that men in this room only dream of. Killing lions and bears with his bare hands. Killing the Philistine champion Goliath. Conquering and subduing countless armies. Having a coronation sung over him as he became king of Israel. And even being called a man after God's own heart. But I submit to you that this man also had moments that men in this room have nightmares of. His daughter Tamar is raped by her own brother Amnon. His other son Absalom starts an insurrection against him. He commits adultery with Bathsheba and then to cover his sin. Places her husband Uriah on the front line of the battle. In the heat of the battle to have him killed to cover up his infidelity He then loses a baby from that relationship within the first few weeks of his life. The Bible even says that the sword would never depart from the house of David, meaning that there would always be conflict and there would always be strife within the home that he lived in. David is a man of great contrast. He is a worshiper, but he's also an adulterer. David is a prophet, but he's also a conspirator. David is a king, but he's also a killer. You see, in many ways, David is like every man that's ever walked this earth. And then in other ways, brother Moore, there's nobody that's ever walked the earth kind of like David. Because there is such a wide range of stories about this man's life that in the life of David, everybody in this room can find a bit of yourselves at some point in the life that David lived. And so it is within the story of our text this evening. For years we understand the king by the name of Saul had sought harm to David until it finally culminates with Saul throwing a javelin at David with the intention of killing him. And because of this, the Bible says David flees for his life. And along with 600 other men and their households, they go to the Philistine territory to find refuge And it's then at that place where Achish, the Philistine king of Gath, offers Ziglag to David. And for the next 16 months, the Bible lets us know that David rules over that city, Ziglag, and spends much of that time creating that very city into a base of operations of military exploits against the Amalekites. And so it was during this time that the Bible lets us know that David and his men had gone out from Ziglag to battle. But while in the process of being away from their city, 1 Samuel 30 lets us know that it was then that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and burned that city to the ground. And the Bible lets us know that as David and his men come back to that city and as they see what's happened in their absence when they begin to see how their beloved city's been burned to the ground and not only has their beloved city been burned to the ground when they realized that their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive the Bible says that David and all the men lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep and it's in the process of all of this going on in the process of seeing their city burned to the ground in the process of seeing their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken away by the enemy. The Bible then says in verse number 5 that David realizes that his two wives were taken captives as well. Their names were Ahinoam and Abigail. We understand that it was customary in the ancient world to have more than one wife and so it is in this story in 1 Samuel 30. We understand that David has more than one wife and the Bible then tells us that in the process of burning Ziklag to the ground, in the process of kidnapping wives, sons and daughters, David's two wives were captured as well. In the midst of all of this going on, I want you to understand that the Amalekites, the enemy of David, specifically and purposely targeted the two wives that he had. Their names were Henel and Abigail. But I find it very interesting this evening that the Bible only mentions the wives of David by name. We understand. You keep reading in this text, you find out that there were about 600 other men who fought side by side with David. And if it was customary to have more than one wife, then I think it's safe to say that those other men probably had more than one wife as well. And so I want you to understand what's going on, 600 men who were married to multiple women. And so the Bible says that the Amalekites kidnapped all the wives. And so that lets me come to the understanding that there were probably hundreds of wives who were captured. There were hundreds of wives who were taken captive by the enemy. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of women who were taken away from From that city. Yet the Bible only mentions two by name, Ahinoam and Abigail. And the Bible says when David realizes that Ahinoam and Abigail had been taken captive, your Bible says that David became greatly distressed. That word distressed. Is an interesting word when you look at it from the Hebrew understanding. Because when the Bible says David was greatly distressed, it gives us the understanding that in that moment, David began to feel overwhelmed. In that moment, David began to feel vexed and troubled and began to feel sorrow and anxiety. And I understand, Brother Troy, that the Bible says he's vexed. He's sorrowful. He's troubled because the men of the city spake of stoning him. I know that's why the Bible says he's distressed. The very men that he once fought beside on the battlefield are now the same men ready to kill David. And that's why the Bible says he's distressed. But I can't help but wonder, Brother Moore, if there was more to that than what's going on that we can read. Maybe there's a reason why. I, there. Maybe there's another reason why David feels distressed. I can't help but wonder that when David realized that my wives have been taken away, when David realizes that a hen and and Abigail uh, have been captured Uh, maybe that added to the trouble Uh, maybe that added to the sorrow Uh, maybe that added to the anxiety Uh, that David began to feel uh, when David surveyed the situation uh, when he saw how Ziklag had been burned uh, and wives and sons and daughters are taken away Uh, and when David realized Ahinoam and Abigail are gone he began to feel greatly distressed We understand in biblical times the names of people were of great importance and they were of much spiritual significance. We also know that there's nothing in the Bible that is there by accident uh, nor coincidence. Uh, Everything from Genesis to Revelation uh, has been put in that book for a purpose and for a reason. Uh, And so because of that, I find it interesting this evening uh, that out of hundreds of women who were taken away, uh, only two were named. Out of hundreds who were kidnapped, uh, only two were identified. Uh, It was a henna and abbot. uh, and David becomes distressed. Uh, David becomes greatly distressed uh, when he realizes I've lost Ahinoam and I've lost Abigail. You see, the first wife, the first woman that the enemy targeted in the life of David was a woman by the name of Ahinoam. Ahinoam's name literally means delight or splendor, or it literally means the grace or the favor of God. You see, the Amalekites, the enemy of David, specifically targeted and captured Ahinoam. In other words, they captured the grace and the blessings and the favor of God out of the life of David. You see, the first thing the enemy came after uh, was David's grace. Uh, And I've come to tell this congregation that is exactly uh, what the enemy uh, wants to take from us in this room. Uh, I've come to preach about an enemy this evening uh, whose agenda has not changed. Uh, I've come to tell you that just like David had an enemy then, uh, we've got an enemy tonight uh, and that enemy wants to rob you uh, of the grace of God. He wants to capture uh, and steal God's grace uh, and God's favor uh, and God's blessings out of your life. You may ask the question, why in the world do the Amalekites target a Ahinoam? And why in the world do we have an adversary who's after the grace of God in our life? I'll tell you why this evening. It's because the grace of God is God's favor and God's blessings in our life. And the enemy is after it. Just like the enemy came after David's a Ahinoam, he's after our Ahinoam. He's after our grace. And the Bible says David became greatly distressed when he looked up and realized Realized, grace is gone. And I tell everybody in this room that just like David became distressed, just like David became greatly distressed, we too will become greatly distressed when we lose Ahinoam, when we lose the grace of God. You see, when you don't have God's grace, despair begins to set in. When you don't have God's grace, anxiety begins to show up. When you don't have God's grace, the enemy is able to vex and torment your soul. And the story of David marrying a Ahinoam is more than just a story of a man marrying a woman. It shows us firsthand just how powerful and just how poignant the grace of God is in my life and the grace of God is in your life. Uh, can I preach about grace tonight just for a moment? Uh, can I tell you that David married a Hinoam uh, after his wife Michael uh, was given away to another man? Uh, and that shows you and I the power uh, of God's grace. Uh, it was a Hinoam, uh, it was God's grace uh, who walked into David's life uh, immediately after David lost something that he loved. Uh, you see, things may happen to us uh, that we may never expect, uh, but God's grace, uh, God's grace, uh, God's favor, uh, and God's blessings we may lose things but grace is going to be with us we may lose people but grace is going to be with us can I preach to you tonight that from that day going forward it was that woman a who walked shoulder to shoulder beside David through every season of his life from the moment that grace, a Ahinoam, walked into the life of David, she walked with him through the high times of his life. Need I remind you that it was this woman who stood beside David when he lived in Hebron and when he was king over Israel. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, A Ahinoam wasn't just there during the high times of his life. A Ahinoam was there during the low times of his life because grace did not abandon David when he needed her the most. There's one thing you can count on when it comes to God's grace and God's favor and God's blessings. It's not contingent on the season of life you're going through at that moment. Grace said, I'll stand beside you when you're king, but I'll stand beside you when you're running like a fugitive from Saul. I'll stand beside you when you're in Hebron, but I'll also stand beside you when you're facing battle after battle and enemy after enemy. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that the grace of God was with David even when it was a struggle for David to face another day. But that's what God's grace does for us. Grace is going to walk with us. Grace is going to stay with us. Grace will not abandon us in the good times or in the bad times. I've come to tell you that God's grace, God's favor, and God's blessings are going to walk with you in the low times just like it's with you in the high times. From that moment she walked into David's life for the more, she never left him. And that beautifully sums up God's grace in our life. Peter, in the New Testament, begins to attempt to prove this in the New Testament it is in 1st Peter chapter 1 verse number 6 where Peter begins to give us insight when we begin to deal with the grace of God Peter says in 1st Peter 1 in verse number 6 wherein you greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations That word manifold is an interesting word in the Greek language because it corresponds or it runs parallel to the word multicolored. And when Peter says you're going to go through seasons of heaviness, there's going to be seasons of manifold temptation. It can translate to mean manifold trials. And those two words, manifold temptation, literally means that if you live life long enough, you're going to face every shape, every shade, and every color of life. There's going to be seasons of your life, if you live life long enough, where you go through seasons of heaviness, where you're going to go through seasons of manifold trials, or many color trials, or many shapes of trials. Life is going to come at you in every which way that it can come at you. And so it was in the life of David. David could testify about that because he knew what it was like to sit on the throne, but he also knew what it was like to run for his life as a fugitive because you live life long enough you're not always going to be up but there's going to be some low times there's going to be, there's going to be seasons of manifold temptations There's going to be seasons of heaviness, but I don't know about you, I'm thankful ladies and gentlemen, that Peter doesn't stop writing about that word manifold there, because three chapters later, Peter comes back in 1 Peter 4 and 10, when he says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, in First Peter 1, he said there's going to be manifold temptation. But in First Peter 4, he said there's going to be manifold grace of God. What are you saying, Peter? Peter's trying to let us know that when trials show up, grace is going to come with it. Peter's trying to let us know that there's going to be seasons of heaviness, but you better get ready. The grace of God is not going to abandon you in those seasons of suffering. And in, the, I wish somebody would hear me right now. You live life long enough, you're going to go through every shape and color of life. But aren't you thankful that in the midst of that manifold temptation, there's a manifold grace of God. This is why, Brother Moore, No matter what we go through, we can never verbalize, I'll never make it out of this. We were not afforded the luxury of saying, I can't make it. And I will not overcome this. You may be going through the trial of your life. You may be going through the most heavy season of life you've ever had to go through. But here's the beautiful thing about the manifold grace of God. As big as that trial is, that's how much grace God's going to send you to get you out of that trial. You may be going through the trial of your life. You may be in a season of heartache, a season of confusion, a season of despair, but here's the thing about God's grace. Here's the thing about God's favor. As big as that trial is, God's already put down the ruler to measure out the grace you need to get through that. There's no time to despair. There's no time to give up. There's no time to throw in the towel because as big as my trial is, that's how big my grace is God measures it out and says if this is how much you need this is how much I'm going to give you because God's grace will walk through with us through every season of life and it's beautifully shown to us in the life of David and Ahinoam. Paul I know that you pray thrice for that thorn to be removed you wake up in the morning and that thorn is there You live throughout that day and the thorn is still there. You lay down at night trying to rest, but the thorn is still there. I know the Bible says that Paul prayed thrice, but some people believe that Paul prayed multiple times. And the translators just use the number three to give us the understanding that Paul didn't just pray about this one time. It was a repetitive thing. It was something that Paul dealt with all the time. And in the midst of dealing with that thorn, in the midst of dealing with whatever that thorn was, it was a messenger sent from Satan to buffet him. But here comes the God of grace speaking to Paul and says, I know you got a thorn. I know that you wish it could leave. But Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all that you need because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Can I tell somebody that there was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet Paul but God said I'm going to send you a messenger of grace. I'm going to send you enough grace that you need to get through this. That's the power of the grace of God. Without the grace of God there's trials that we'll face we'll never make, th- make it through. Without the grace of God in our life, without God's favor and God's blessings, there's a trial down the road that's got our name on it. And if I don't have a hen on, if I don't have the grace of God, I won't make it through that trial. But God said every season of manifold temptation I've got manifold grace that's going to walk beside you. And your Bible says when David looks around and realizes that grace has been stolen, he becomes distressed. But can I tell you that A Ahinoan wasn't the only wife that the enemy targeted. The enemy came in and burned Ziglag to the ground, stole wives, sons, and daughters. They took a Ahinoan. They took the grace. Can I tell you, there was another lady named Abigail. You see, Abigail's name is very interesting because her name literally means gladness or rejoicing in my father or it simply means joy. Can I tell everybody in this room that not only did the enemy come and take the grace of God out of David's life, but the enemy also was able to steal the joy of the Lord out of David's life. I've come to Bendel tonight to preach about an adversary who's not only after the grace of God in our life, but he's also after the joy of the Lord in our life. You see, he's not satisfied just capturing a hen but he's also after our Abigail. He's after the joy of the Lord in our life, and there is a reason why. You see, when you begin to study joy in the Old Testament, there's different Hebrew words that the writers use to Explain what joy really is and what joy means. There are two words that were more commonly used than any other words to describe joy. The first Hebrew word was simkal, which means joy or gladness. The second one was salzon, it means exaltation or rejoicing. And they're derived from the Hebrew word "shamak," which means to rejoice. In fact, when you begin to study the word joy, you find out uh, that in Jewish culture, it was so significant. Uh, this word joy was so significant that events like a child being born uh, or somebody being married, uh, it was always called shamak or joy or gladness. Uh, it's amazing to know that a, a thing such as childbirth uh, or something as somebody being married, uh, it was always described as joy. In fact, that comes. From Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 11 when the Bible says the voice of joy and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride the voice of them that shall say praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good His mercy endureth forever but when you get to the New Testament the most prevalent Greek word for joy is kara and it means inner gladness calm delight and joy it's related to the word kairi which means to rejoice but ladies and gentlemen there's another form of that word and it literally means Cairo, and it means this. It means grace. Therefore karah means rejoice or to have joy because I have grace. That ladies and gentlemen is where the joy of the Lord comes from. The joy of the Lord comes from the understanding and the knowledge that I've got the grace of God in my life. And that's why the Amalekites took both Ahinoam and Abigail. Because you read this Bible, you're quick to find out that the grace of God and the joy of the Lord are intrinsically connected together. You only have Abigail. You've only got joy because you first have Ahinoam, the grace of God. But if you don't have grace, you don't have joy. Joy. And that's why the Amalekites took both of them. Because the enemy is smart enough to know, if I can take your grace, I'll take your joy. If I can take a Ahinoam, I'll take Abigail. Because when I rob from you the grace of God, ultimately I'm going to steal from you the joy of the Lord. Grace and joy are connected all through the Bible. Joy, ladies and gentlemen, is a fruit of the Spirit. That means joy is found. Real joy is found when you get the Holy Ghost. I was telling somebody the other day, I mean, he had been successful, he had money, he had possessions. I said, you think you're just happy now? You think you've got joy now because of all these earthly possessions? I said, wait until you get the Holy Ghost. Because there is no joy Like the joy you get when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in tongues. That's why my Bible says when I get the Holy Ghost, uh, there are nine fruits of the Spirit that I'm about to birth in my spirit. Uh, Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you don't know real joy uh, until you get the Holy Ghost. Uh, But the moment you get the Holy Ghost, uh, there's going to be something that's brought forth there's going to be something that's brought in my spirit it is the joy of the lord and if joy is a fruit of the spirit that means that joy real joy only comes from god himself that's why you can read about joy in the Old Testament uh, and you find people having joy uh, because of children God gave them. Uh, you find others having joy uh, in relationships with one another. Uh, there's even places when people would have joy uh, in their abundant harvest uh, or victory over an enemy uh, or an answer being given. Uh, but can I tell you the ultimate source of joy uh, was not found in each other uh, and the ultimate source of joy uh, was not found in my harvest field uh, and the ultimate source of joy uh, was not found when God gave me an answer but the greatest source of joy was found in God himself that means the joy of the Lord is not predicated on what I do or do not have (laughs) the joy of the Lord is not based on what I'm going through or what has or has not happened because if I base my joy on that brother Moore my joy and your joy is going to fluctuate If I put my joy in temporal earthly possessions, uh, I'm going to be joyful today, uh, but I'll be sorrowful tomorrow. Uh, If I place my joy in the stock market, uh, it'll be a roller coaster up one day and down the next. Uh, But my joy uh, isn't found in my money, uh, and my joy uh, isn't found in my possessions, uh, and my joy uh, isn't found in what this world can give me. Uh, My joy uh, and your joy uh, is found in that one God who is unwavering and unchanging. That's where your joy... He comes from. That's why Abigail's name literally means rejoicing in my father. All hell can break loose and I can still come to church with a smile on my face. I can get a bad diagnosis and I can still come to church and lift my hands and run the aisles and have faith and believe God because people may not understand it, Brother more, but it's because my joy wasn't given to me by the world and my joy cannot be taken away from this world. When I got the Holy Ghost, Brother Troy, there was a joy God gave me. There was a joy God baptized me with. My joy and your joy is found in who you serve. That's why when Jesus is born in Luke chapter 2 there's a heavenly host of angels making the announcement by saying I bring you good tidings of great joy. That's why in Luke chapter 1 before Jesus is ever born He had already established joy because Mary's song attested to the joy that He was about to bring because it was His mother Mary before Jesus is ever born in a manger Mary begins to sing My soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior It's because Mary got the revelation I've got a joy inside of me and when that joy is born it's going to hold me it's going to sustain me And no matter what life brings
2: me, I've got joy. I've got joy because I get my joy from Him.
1: When Elizabeth got around her, there's a baby named John who leaps for joy in his mother's womb because he got just too close to that God I'm talking about. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is why Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 these things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full this is why Jesus turns back around in the very next chapter of John 16 and Jesus says you have asked nothing in my name ask and you shall receive boy we love that verse don't we ask and you shall receive seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open." To everyone that asketh, receiveth. To him that knocketh, it shall be open; To him that seeketh, findeth. It's a call back to Isaiah when he said, Cry aloud while the Lord is near. Boy, we quote that verse, Don't we ask and you shall receive when we need a better job? We've all done it. Lord, you said if you ask anything in your name, ask and you shall receive. We pray that when we need a raise, we need better finances, we need God to heal us. We need God to answer a prayer. We need God to give direction. Lord, your word says ask and you shall receive anything in your name. But can I tell you in context, that verse in John 16 is not about asking for more money. And that verse in John 16 is not asking for a better job. And that verse in John 16 is not asking for more of this and more of that. John writes and tells us that Jesus says, you've asked nothing in my name. Asking you shall receive that your joy. Not be full. What would happen in this house if, in the next 15 to 20 minutes, we come to this altar and we ask God to give us joy as much as we ask God to give us more money? What kind of outlook on life would we have come tomorrow morning if we approach God's presence and said, I'm going to ask that my joy be full. I'm going to ask because I've got an understanding that if I ask, I'm going to receive. And God, I'm not going to go to that altar and ask for more of this and more of that. God, I'm going to go to that altar because I want my joy to remain full. There is a need of Abigail in my life. And there's a need of Abigail in your life. And aren't you thankful the one who gives us joy says you can ask in my name and I'll give it to you. If you need more joy I'll give you the joy of the Lord. That's why Romans says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and Joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why Peter tells us in his epistle that you're going to rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do you know that's what tongues are? It's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. You know what you're doing when you're speaking in tongues? There's a joy that's unspeakable that you can't even articulate. But God said, when I give you the Holy Ghost, I'm going to put a language in your body and it's going to be joy unspeakable and it's going to be full of glory. We need to get the understanding of what we get when God gives us the Holy Ghost. It's more than just tongues. Tongues is only a sign for the unbeliever, according to my Bible. How do you know they got the Holy Ghost? Well, we heard them speak with tongues. Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and now here's the sounds thereof. You don't know where the wind's going or coming from, but you can see the effects of the wind is what he's saying. So is everyone born of the Spirit. You can't see the wind, but you see the effects of it. You see trees snapped and uprooted, homes destroyed. You didn't see the wind, but you see the effects of it. So is everyone that's going to be born of the Spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou here's the sound thereof. That word sound is where we get the word "phona" or phonics. It means speech or language. He's, Jesus is telling us when you get the Holy Ghost, there's going to be a sound. There's going to be a language, there's going to be a speech. You're going to speak in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost. This is why David said my heart was glad and my tongue did rejoice. Because it's a heart and a tongue issue when you get the Holy Ghost. Uh, You get it in your heart uh, and it comes up your heart and it comes out your mouth. Uh, That's why David said my heart heart was glad uh, and my tongue rejoiced. Uh, But can I tell you uh, we are watering down the Holy Ghost uh, when we just look at the Holy Ghost as tongues. God gave us the Holy Ghost to do more than just be bilingual and to be trilingual. He gave us the Holy Ghost because it's His Spirit, yes. It's the hope, it's God in Christ. The same God that was in Christ is the same God that's in you now. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Bible says. But there is a peace and there is a joy that is unspeakable when you get the Holy Ghost. You remember what it was like the first night you got the Holy Ghost? Boy, you wanted to tell everybody. You wanted everybody in your family to know, I got the Holy Ghost because there was such a joy. Abigail had made herself known in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why the enemy came after David's Abigail. The enemy knows, if I can take the joy of the Lord, I'll take your happiness and I'll take your contentment. Because if I have no joy, I'm not happy. If you have no joy, you're not content. And the enemy understands that if I can take the joy of the Lord, they'll live their life empty and miserable and hollow and a shell of what God wants them to live like. I was talking to a friend of mine in Ohio the other day, and we were talking about just living for God. And I said, you know, I believe, I truly believe God wants us to be happy. We're not a good billboard we live our life for God, depressed all the time, and head hung down and the world's falling apart. My Bible says happy are the people whose God is the Lord. God wants us to have joy in our life. God wants us to be content and happy and satisfied with the life that we live. And the enemy knows if I can get you to look at everything you don't have, And everything God has not done for you yet, because a lot of times our joy is attached to what we have or don't have. And if the enemy can take what we have away from us, he'll take our joy from us because my joy is attached to what I have. He's been at this game a long time. But this is why constantly, all through that Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we are not supposed to have our joy found in what we have in this earth. But the enemy also knows if I can take your joy, I can make you weak. This is what Nehemiah is trying to teach to us in Nehemiah chapter 8. When he says, I want you to go your way and eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord our God. Neither be ye sorry. There's not a period. Neither be you sorry. Semicolon. He's about to join one thought to another thought. Neither be you sorry. Why am I not sorry? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we preach that and we quote that, but I want you to watch this with me. That word joy means, yes, gladness and rejoicing. And that word strength means, yes, to be strong or to be stout. But can I tell you, it carries a further meaning in the Hebrew language than just to be strong and to be stout. Because when Nehemiah says, don't be sorry, because the joy of the Lord is your strength, that word strength literally means a fortified place. It is a place of protection. It is a place of defense. In other words, if the enemy can take your joy, you're exposed to his attack. Isn't it amazing that when one area of my life I'm not happy in, it quickly begins to bleed over into other areas in my life. Because if I'm exposed in one area of my life, Brother Troy, the enemy can scale the wall and he can get into that area. And if he, boy, I feel my if he can get into that area, he'll trickle down into this area and he'll get into this area. I'm not happy with my wife before I realize that I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy with my kids. I'm not happy at home. I don't even want to go home. I want to work more my hours. I want to do this. Because the enemy knows it's more than just being strong. The enemy knows if I can take the joy of the Lord out of your life, it may just be one area, but you're exposed and you're vulnerable and you're open to the enemy's attack. Can I tell somebody in this room the joy of the Lord is not just an emotion that we feel. The joy of the Lord is a place of protection. It is a place of defense because when I've gotten my joy right, the enemy cannot scale the walls. Oh. Joy is more than just an emotion. Abigail was more than just an accessory on the arm of David. Abigail, joy is a fortified place. Abigail is protection. But can I tell you, the enemy knows if I can get the joy of the Lord out of your life, I'll expose them to my attack. If I have no joy, I'm unprotected. If I have no joy, I'm exposed and I have no strength. And if you're in this house right now and maybe the enemy's attacked you... And maybe the enemy has brought on circumstances and problems and situations uh, and maybe somehow, just maybe, the joy of the Lord uh, is starting to fleet away from you. Uh, Maybe it's been a long time since you felt Abigail. Uh, Maybe it's been a long time since you really felt the presence and the joy of the Lord. Uh, Can I tell you I've got good news to tell everybody in this room uh, that David, the same man that lost Abigail, uh, David the same man that lost the joy of the Lord uh, is the same man that turns around in Psalm 16 uh, and he gives us the answer by saying uh, that you Lord uh, are going to show me the path of life uh, because in my presence uh, there is fullness of joy uh, and at thy right hand uh, there are pleasures forevermore. Uh, what is David saying brother more uh, he's saying that when you have no joy uh, when Abigail's been stolen uh, I've got a solution uh, why don't you push uh, and press your way uh, into God's presence uh, because in his presence uh, there's fullness of joy That's why you can drag yourself into a Sunday night service uh, and get in the presence of God uh, and walk out with your head held high. And you can't explain it. uh, You can't articulate it. uh, But when you get in God's presence, uh, there's a fullness. uh, There's an abundance. uh, There's an overwhelming well of joy. uh, But you've got to get in the presence of God. Put it together like a puzzle. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. So I get my strength from the joy that I found in his presence. Because God says, whatever you need, you can find it when you get in my presence. David said, in his presence, in his panim, is the Hebrew word, is fullness of joy. What is David talking about? That word panim, yes, means the presence of God, but it also means the face of God. So David was saying, when you get in God's face, there is a fullness of joy you'll find. When's the last time we got in the face of God? Not out of arrogance, not out of being rude, but when's the last time we got in God's face and said, I need you to give me that joy? David is calling all the way back to Genesis 32 when there's a man named Jacob wrestling with an angel. You know where I'm going. The angel says, you got to let me go because the day's about to break. David is desperate I'm not letting you go until you bless Until you do something I'm not letting you go When's the last time we got that desperate I'm not leaving church until I get what I need It may be past 8 o'clock But I'm not leaving that place until I get what I need And we understand because David was persistent The angel touches the hollow of his thigh And Jacob walks away limping Or he walks away differently because that's what happens when you get in God's presence. You'll walk away different. But he not only walked away differently, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. Because the angel says, as a prince, you have found favor with God. Jacob walks away from that encounter differently and his identity has changed forever. But Jacob looks back on that scenario in Genesis 32. And he says, all of this happened at a place called Peniel. Because I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Jacob got in the presence of God and everything changed. And David picks up on that when he begins to write Psalm 16. And he says, If you don't have any joy, if you can just do what Jacob done, if you can just push your way in the presence of God, there is a fullness of joy that awaits you. Maybe this is why Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 11, I've got a solution, boys. Why don't you leap for Abigail? Why don't you leap for joy? Well, I'll leap because I have joy. No, that's not what he said. You don't leap because you have joy. You leap because you need joy. Jesus says sometimes you've got to throw caution to the wind and you've got to get in my presence and you may look foolish and everybody else may look at you and roll their eyes and say, why in the world are they acting like that? Look at what they're dealing with. Look at what they're going through. But Jesus says, you don't leap because you have joy. You leap because you need joy. And the principle is found multiple times. You've just got to push your way in the presence of God. You've just got to make up your mind that in his presence there is an abundance of the joy that I need. And I believe God has been dealing with me about this because if there's one thing the church needs, if there's one thing the church as a whole needs, we need a fresh baptism of the joy of the Lord. Because life has a way of taking the joy of living for God out of our lives. Life and trials and circumstances has a way of just draining us and wearing on us and overwhelming us that it becomes just routine to come to church. It becomes routine of just praying and it becomes routine of just living for God. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if there's one thing the Lord's been dealing with me about, it is that the church needs a restoration of joy. Maybe that's why David said in Psalm 51, I want you to restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know what Dave was praying. He was saying, God, I just want to be happy that I'm saved. David said God I just want to be happy that I've got salvation we serve a God of restoration and we know that in fact the Lord said I'm not coming back until there is a restoration of all things he's a restorer of marriages he's a restorer of homes he's a restorer of the prodigals he's a God of restoration but when's the last time we prayed the prayer of David said Lord something's happened I need you to restore Into me the joy Of my salvation A joy of just Living for God A joy of having The Holy Ghost A joy of just being saved That's why David later goes on To tell us I was glad I rejoiced I was happy When they said unto me Let us go into the house of the Lord See, life has a way of just taking the joy of going to church out of our lives where it can just become routine. It's what we do Sunday morning. It's what we do Sunday night. It's what we do Wednesday. Can I tell you, there can be a restoration of joy of all things, if I can put it that way, in our life in this room this evening. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's why repeatedly there's a word that appears multiple times, and I'm about to close, but there's a word that appears multiple times in the New Testament. It's the word rejoice. We understand the prefix re in the English language means to do something again. And so the Bible commands us multiple times to rejoice. Call your joy back. Because sometimes if we live life long enough, we're going to find ourselves in that place. I've got to call my joy back. That's why Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. That's why Habakkuk said, and watch all the negative things the prophet says. The prophet says the fig tree has no blossoms. There is no fruit in the vine. There's no labor. The labor of the olive is going to fail and the, fr- the fields are going to yield no meat. The flocks are cut off from the fold and there's no hurt in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Because the prophet is one more time driving the point home. My joy is not found in what I have or do not have down here. My joy and your joy is found in the God that we serve. And that's why Paul said in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said that word twice in one verse to nail the point home. That There's going to be days when you've got to call your joy back more than once. God doesn't want us just to exist. He doesn't just want us to go to church Sunday, Sunday night and Wednesday and just struggle and barely. He wants us to have the joy of the Lord in our life. And this is why, this is why the enemy said, I'm going to take Ahinoan and I'm going to take Abigail. I'm taking the grace of God and the joy of the Lord. David finally makes up his mind everybody else is crying everybody else is weeping but David encouraged himself in the Lord David finally come to the understanding I will not live my life without God's grace and the joy of the Lord and we've always quoted this verse but I think a lot of times we've misquoted the verse because for so long we have said David inquired of the Lord. To inquire of somebody means I'm asking for their permission. If I were to inquire, Brother Moore, can I sit on the platform? I'm asking for your permission to sit on the platform. Can I tell you the Bible does not say David inquired of the Lord? Because why would David need permission to go get Abigail and Ahinoam back when God gave them to him in the first place? Why would God. Have to give David permission to go after grace and joy if God gave grace and joy to David. David did not inquire of the Lord. The Bible says David inquired at the Lord. David was simply telling God, I'm going after my grace and I'm going after my joy. I just need to know that you're going to go with me. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? And the Lord says, you go and I'll go with you. Can I tell everybody in this room, David made the decision that at some point all of us are going to have to make in life. I'm not living my life without the grace of God. And I'm not living my life without the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says all of this happened on the third day. It was a third day miracle. When David got his grace and joy back Third day miracles are very powerful Because it was on the third day When grace and joy laid in the grave And it looked like all hope was gone But the stone rolls away And grace and joy comes walking out of that tomb Because third day miracles always represent resurrection In this moment there was a resurrection of grace and a resurrection of joy in the life of David. As they can come to the piano this evening if they would like, I'm telling everybody in this room this is why we need a Hinoam. This is why we need Abigail. We need the grace of God, Brother Moore, because there's gonna be trials in the days to come that I will not make it through unless I have the manifold grace of God. And there's going to be days that I live when the enemy tries to take my joy from me. And if he succeeds, I'm exposed to every attack. But as we stand all over this room this evening, I've come to tell you that in his presence, there's an answer. In his presence, there is a solution. I wonder right now if we can lift our hands all over this house. And as we lift our hands... I know we're about to transition, but before we do that, I wonder as we lift our hands all over this house. There could be some men and women, some young people that would make up their mind, I'm going to push my way into his presence. Because there's something powerful waiting for me when I get into the presence of the Lord. Ah, the grace of the Lord is in this house joy of the Lord that is our strength is in this house if you're in this room and you need the strength tonight I'm telling you you get the strength when you find the joy I, mean, I wonder right now if we could step out of our pews and come stand around this front and lift our hands and I wonder if there could be a fresh baptism of the joy of the Lord in this house I feel an undercurrent of the Holy Ghost in this room right now I'm not going to try to cheerlead anything, but I'm telling you, if somebody would connect right now to the Holy Ghost, there is a joy awaiting you, sir. There's a joy awaiting you, ma'am. Come on, you can walk out of this house with a smile on your face. You can walk out of this house with happiness and contentment because my joy is found in Him. Come on, why don't you join with somebody right now beside you? Come on, why don't we pray for the grace of God to be in our lives and for the joy of the Lord? Come on, from side to side and front to back. Ah, let there be a baptism of the joy of the Lord. A joy that will sustain us. A joy that will keep us regardless of what life brings. Come on, as they begin to sing, why don't we allow the joy of the Lord to overwhelm us? Come on, there's strength in the house right now. Come on, why don't you speak to your brother right now and to your sister? There's strength in the house. There's strength in the house. There's encouragement in the house.
3: I feel the joy of the Lord, delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I feel the joy of the Lord, falling, fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord, delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I feel the joy of the Lord, falling. Special be I feel the joy of the Lord Delivering me, I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. Yes, I feel the joy of the Lord, Father. Special be I feel the joy of the Lord. Delivering me, I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost, all over me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. All over me. I feel the joy of the Lord falling. Fresh on me, I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I feel the joy of the Lord falling. Fresh on me, I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. I feel the joy of the Lord calling, praise me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I have royal blood flowing through my veins. I'm a child of the King, buried in His name. There is no devil that can come against me. Joy of the Lord coming, fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. <laughs> I feel the joy of the Lord coming, fresh me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me the Lord fresh me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me, I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I have been loosed, I've been set free, pardon me a moment while I have a jubilee, for the joy of the Holy Ghost is all over me. I've been set free. Pardon me a moment while I have a jubilee for the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I've been loose. I've been set free. Pardon me a moment while I have a jubilee for the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I've been loose. I've been set free. Pardon Fresh shall be? I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. Joy, I got joy. I feel the joy of the Lord coming. Where shall be? I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. I have been I've me a while I have for the joy of the Holy Somebody get a hold of hey. I have been loose, I've been set free. Pardon me a moment while I have a jubilee for the joy of the Holy Ghost Follow me. Say unto the enemy, "Say, I have been loose, I've been set free." Pardon me a moment while I have a jubilee for the joy of the Holy Ghost.
2: All over me One more time I have been yeah, 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 yeah. I have been loose, I've been set free wow. Put in me a moment while
3: I have a jubilee
2: For the joy of the Holy Ghost Is all over me I am oil blood flowing through my veins Of a child of the King in His name There is no devil They can come against me yeah. I've been born Good. and hope I've been okay. made free I feel the
3: joy of the Lord right. me. I feel the joy of the Lord you the me. I feel the you joy of the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost Set free, pardon me—a moment while I have it. You believe all the joy of the Holy Ghost is all over me. I, know, I, know yes. I, I have been loosed. I've been set free. Part of me—a moment while I, I have it. You believe all the joy of the Holy Ghost is all over I me. more. I have been loosed. Yes. I have been, I've been set free. Me. The, joy. the joy of the Lord, Father, yeah. press me, I feel the joy of the Lord, so me. Yeah. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost is all over me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I got joy. 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 It's joy unspeakable, and it's full of glory. Yeah. Therefore with joy, shall you draw water? Shall you draw water? Come on, from the wells. Hey, have you got it? 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 I've been loose, I've been set free you got to pardon me a moment I can't help myself you got to pardon me just for a little bit, I'm going to get beside myself in the Lord I'm going to get outside of who I am and get beside me and just give God some high praise just give God the joy of my spirit in praise and worship because of the grace of God that has brought joy end of my life. Oh, yeah. Woo. Thank you, Brother Sanford. Thank you, Brother Sanford. Thank you, Brother Sanford. Come on, Pastor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, have we heard the Word of God in this place tonight? My, my, my. I'm telling you. He has preached the word in this house tonight. I promise you it'd pay us to probably go back and listen to this and again. So much was said, so much food that was put out there about this joy. Amen. And you know what? Nothing can take it. If we make it up in our minds and hearts and spirit, nothing's going to take this joy. It's going to bring me through the valleys. Amen. You need to rescue it. If it's been taken, you need to set out to get it. I'm getting it back. If I didn't get it back tonight in this service, I'm gonna be looking for it in the morning. And we'll come back looking for it tomorrow night. Amen. Till I I restore it and God restores it back into my life. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Samford. I'm telling you, this is a well-placed message for us in this place tonight this body of believers that's um, walking through some very difficult times but i promise you amen the joy of the lord could be your strength the grace of god is sufficient amen to carry us through and so we're not going to let the enemy take either one of them we're going to hold on to them we're going to fight for them believe god for them walk in them let them lead us and guide us and keep us along this journey amen Let's don't forget tomorrow night, 6.30 prayer time, 7 o'clock service time. Brother Adrian Sanford will be back with us. The Lord's going to be back with us. You're going to be back with us. And we're just going to have some good good church in this house, some good Holy Ghost church. Amen. Love of God, the touch of the Master in this place. Working on our vibes. Amen. Invite somebody. Invite somebody to come be in church with us tomorrow night. Come and Experience the love of God, and the power of God. Amen, amen. Be a light unto them. You heard what the man said tonight about, you know, looking down. I think we done heard a little bit about that this morning. Amen. That ain't, that ain't good advertisement of the Holy Ghost. Always in the dumps, always mumbling and grumbling and just don't seem to have nothing to be happy about. Well, we heard it tonight. Praise God. Right in the midst of all that, we can still have joy. We can put a smile on our face. We can walk in this house and dance and love and worship our God. Amen. Amen. My, my. Birthdays. Got any birthdays tonight? All right. Happy birthday to Sister Hannah. Amen. And Jack. Praise God. That's what I think. It's a little one, right? Okay. Got too many Jack Dixons in here. Praise God. That's the little one. Amen. Okay, Erica. All right. So another one. Thank God for birthdays. Amen. (laughs) She's wanting to hide, but we're not going to let her. Amen. (laughs) All right. Let's sing happy birthday to Anna and to Erica tonight. That's right let's give them a good hand tonight praise the lord all right let's don't forget about service tomorrow night no anniversaries and praise the lord i guess maybe i don't know <laughs> all right love you tonight appreciate you let's stand together you're dismissing the fear of the lord Let's pray about tomorrow night. Let's invite somebody to come back in this place expecting the explosion of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you'll bring it, it'll happen. If you don't bring nothing to the party, don't expect much out of the party. But if you load your truck up with the right stuff to have a party, folks, we'll have a party. It's up to us, not God. I promise you, he's got it. God bless you.